Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, welcome to episode 21 of the Do I Offend You podcast. My name is Carl Britt. I am your host, and I am your truth teller. And I can assure you, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone at the sound of my voice, the devil can't stand it. Okay, he is a liar. He is a murderer. And as my pastor would say, he's just a retarded angel. All right, he had the best spot in the house and couldn't keep it. Anyhow, I apologize. I'm a couple days behind schedule in releasing this episode. You know, I like to do it on Monday. Uh, you don't realize how many people are counting on that until you are 48 hours late in releasing it. But, you know, without going into too many details, the devil buffeted me, withstood me to my face, literally. But uh, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We are live, we are raw, and we are keeping it real. Talking about Jesus Christ from start to finish. It just seems like the more feedback I get about how how God is using the podcast to touch someone's heart, bless people, and, and just do what he only he can do, the devil fights me on it. So please keep me and the podcast in prayer if you wouldn't mind. Thank you so much. And everyone that is sharing the podcast, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Our um, audience is growing, which, you know, that's not, I, I want to reach as many people as possible, but I would rather see one backslider come back to Jesus Christ before it's too late um, more than anything. And I can identify with the backslider and relate to them. I know hey, I'm a professional on it. I know all about backsliding. In fact, it's going to be the focal point of the first uh, probably about, I don't know, 15 minutes of this podcast. I'm going to go over an hour today. I don't care if you are not able to listen to whatever I put out. Just put it on pause and come back to it. But um, I've got some things to say. I'm all excited. I have the propensity propensity to get fired up, as you know. And there's some things that are going to be talked about today that excite me. And um, before we go to the Lord in prayer, okay, the priorities are going to be kept straight at all times. I want everyone to know one thing real quick. From the inception of this podcast, today in this podcast, and forevermore in this podcast, God's getting all the glory. I am a speck. I am a nobody. I am a wretch saved by grace. And in the eyes of the Lord, I'm somebody. I'm his child, um, kept, called out and kept out. And, um, you know, he's just, he's doing such a great work. I'm overwhelmed right now. You can't see me and I'm glad about it. I'm overwhelmed, okay? Because God is really doing a work and it's, it's very humbling, which is a place I want to stay. I want to stay humble because I need God's grace more than anybody I've ever met in my life. And that's real talk. Before we go to prayer, please remember Jim and Sandy Dillon. I know he's going to freak out on me probably for even mentioning it, but you know what? It's what we do. Uh, He is my spiritual mentor. They are my parents in the Lord, Jim and Sandy Dillon. Great people. I love them. Uh, But this guy, he's a tough Kentucky boy. And so to him... This is probably like putting a band-aid on a hangnail. Uh, He's going in on the 18th of this month for a little teeny tiny microscopic procedure. Uh, Let's see what it's called. Oh, yeah. A bypass. All right. Open heart surgery. So let's lift her up more than him because to him this probably isn't as much as it is to her. 
And uh, so let's just pray that God would keep them in his perfect peace, that peace that we can't even get our, our minds around because only God can give it. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for being such a good God. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You see the beginning from the end, Heavenly Father. You're outside of time and there's none beside you. There's none like you. And I want to thank you right now, first and foremost, Lord, for the privilege. What a wonderful privilege, a humbling privilege to know you and to be known by you, my Lord. Lift up Sandy and Jim Dillon today, God. I just ask that you would continue to keep them, Lord. And as he goes through the bypass surgery, Lord, please keep your hands up on the physician um, and guide his hands, Lord, and keep her in peace and comfort, Lord, uh, like only you can do. We love you and we trust you for all things, Lord. Everyone at the sound of my voice, bless them and keep them, Heavenly Father, as we move forward in this episode. We love you, trust you, praise you, lift you up, exalt your holy name. And in Jesus' precious name, everybody said amen and amen. Brother Jay Cartwright, thank you so much for the word that you gave me at the altar on Sunday morning from the Lord. It's been my mainstay and my blessing from hour to hour over the last few days. Uh, love and appreciate you so much and uh, Brother Boatman as well for what you fellas do in the uh, CDC class. Uh, my wife had really, uh, my wife and I are really enjoying that class. Thank you so much for allowing yourselves to be used by the Lord like you do. Thank you so much. I want to say hello to Sister Darlene Walker, um, the pastor's mother. She's been a real blessing to me the last few days just talking about the podcast and, and how it's touched her heart. And uh, all glory to God, constantly and always. I just give him the glory. But I want to say hello to you. Thank you for sharing the podcast. That means a lot to me. Um, you know, I, I, I want to reach as many people as I'll be. Let me fire that off again, folks, okay? I want to reach as many people as possible. But if I could get one backslider to turn back to God, that would be worth it all. That would be worth every episode. It would be worth all of my time that I've, you know, put into this thing. Just one backslider. And the reason I say that is because I have a deep burden. And we're going to talk about this here just shortly. I don't want to get into it just right yet, but I want to talk about um, backsliding. Um, and I can, I'm an expert on it. Okay. So I'm of liberty to talk about it. Okay. I'm, I'm certified to do so. But you know, um, as many people as I'd like to reach, it would mean more to me if I could get one backslider to save himself or herself, just to turn and face the Lord and get back where God wants them and where they belong. Amen and amen. All right. Uh, Carlene, Rochelle, Rose, Kevin, some of my biggest supporters and, and courage, couragers in the Lord. I want to thank you guys. Your your bright spots in my every morning. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Kevin, Lord bless you. Keep getting after it. You are doing the right thing. And the devil hates it. All right. The devil's going to try to withstand us all, you know, um, at every turn sometimes. And, and I've had a rough few days. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's been really rough. And um, thank God. 
for his grace. He just, you know, and his wisdom that crieth out all the time. I just thank God for that. But, you know, the devil's a liar. And um, some, you know, you can't always be on the mountain. Sometimes you find yourself like Elijah up in the cave with Jezebel chasing him down. And, uh, you know, you get a little discouraged. But uh, uh, it's not always going to be sunshine. Sometimes the rain will fall. But thank God we have him in the storm. What a privilege, folks. What a an absolute blessing to be called out and kept out. You know, it's just, uh, man, you know, I'm, I'm driving down the road. Some of you know, I'm a truck driver. I go to Palm Springs, uh, just about every day. And today, you know, I was driving down the road and I'm looking at some of the billboards and I remember, you know, back in the early eighties, you would see, you know, Coors Light, you would see the Marlboro man in his sleeveless shirt and cowboy hat and what have you. But, you know, there's something about seeing these dispensary, marijuana dispensary uh, billboards that are lining the freeways. Let me tell you, the dark is getting super dark. All right. And I'm blown away at how open and out of the closet this world and Satan has become. I mean, it's just right out in your face. And and, and I, I was thinking to myself today, I used to would drool over a billboard like that. Okay. Now I'm repulsed. I was feeling like lot in the gate of Sodom cringing and just a heart full of pity and compassion for those who are bound by this stuff. Those who are lost and to them it's bliss. They can't wait to get home and light up a joint, you know, to them it's, it's, it's heaven, but little do they know that that billboard has another picture on the other side. And I can promise you, It doesn't look like the five-leafed plant of a marijuana tree. I guarantee you that. But, um, you know, I, I, I've given my word and I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to keep within the parameters of an hour, an episode here, but I've got a few things I want to talk about before I get into part three of our series in search of the few ladies and gentlemen, let me get a little sober with you really quick. Okay. For the last couple days, I have been extremely burdened and perplexed as well. You know, I, I, I wish I was a prophet. I wish I could just call out somebody's name and say, God told me to tell you this. Or, you know, God showed me your face in a vision or a dream. But it's not that way. All I know is, and mind you, I, I, I have probably five or six backsliders, righteous backsliders that I know of that listen to the podcast. And I, I I asked the Lord, Lord, who is it? Show me who it is. You've burdened me so deep in my bones, folks. I'm burdened for a backslider. And I have a word from God that he's put on my heart to you. I don't know if you're a male. I don't know if you are a female. All I know is I am, you know, I'm overwhelmed. I have a sense of urgency with this, but, um, Several episodes back, you heard me just lock up the brakes on what my schedule was, you know, as far as the podcast goes. And I started talking about the backslider. And, you know, every since then, it's just I'm burdened for the backslidden heart simply because um, they have the worst damnation coming, the Bible says, you know, right up there with the false prophet. Okay, 
the, the latter end is worse for you to have known the gospel and never and, and not obeyed it. And, you know, I have a sense of urgency for somebody out there. And, you know, backsliding is a funny thing. Let, let me just tell you, okay, it's a multifaceted cocoon, if you will. The dynamics to backsliding are, you know, you can't really even put into words a lot of it. But um, it goes from unforgiveness to bitterness um, to anger at God to loneliness, to isolation. There's just a bunch of stuff that goes with it. Uh, clear down to what we know, you know, addiction, uh, incarceration, and, and, and a deep sense of loneliness. You know, I don't want to get too far into it because I don't honestly think I could articulate good enough what God's put on my heart, but somebody at the sound of my voice either knows of a backslider or are themselves the backslider. And it's a specific person. And I, and like I said, I'm not a prophet. I wish, and I've prayed, God, who is it? Show me who it is, Lord. I want to know. But that's not the case. He's just put it on my heart that somebody, and perhaps you you are like me. You have family, uh, maybe that are in church, okay? That love you and are praying for you. Every day that you live your life with your back turned toward God, you are taking a step away from him further and a step closer to the edge of hell. And if you do not shake yourself awake, if you do not take action, the devil's going to win your soul. And I'm going to tell you something real quick. And this is what God put on my heart that it's the devil's duty. It's his pleasure. It's his goal to have you think in your mind, even if it's not at the forefront of your mind, somewhere in your heart, you continue to live each day without God because you think you have time. You don't have time. And and, and, and as God is my witness, it's it's been on my mind, on my tongue, everywhere I turn for the last, since Friday, it's been extremely clear to me that somebody that has to do with this podcast that is backslidden is running out of time and hell is not worth it. Shake yourself, get to the church house, get to the altar, whatever you, if you've been offended, if you got unforgiveness, if you have animosity toward God, whatever it is, you know that I'm being truthful and realistic with you when I say that if you woke up in hell tonight, the first thing that would cross your mind is that it wasn't worth it. The little, the little trivial animosity or offense that I had or bitterness or anger, it wasn't worth an eternity in a lake of fire. There is such peace and blessing and love waiting for you at the altar. I am begging you. I am, I'm flat out begging you. And I don't know what else to say. I don't know. I'm just glad this isn't on video. All right, because I'm overwhelmed. I, 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 this has not happened since I have had the Holy Ghost that it's been this urgent. I'm urging you. I'm begging you. Whoever it is, please listen to me. Shake yourself. Slap yourself across the face. Grab yourself by the nape of the neck and drag yourself to church. Get over it.
It ain't worth it, whatever it is. He's going to have mercy on whom he's going to have mercy. Don't let yourself be thrown away, whoever you are. All right, ma'am, mister, whoever you are, you know who you are. God's been dealing with you. You know, I don't know. I don't know your situation. Uh, you know, maybe you're still tender toward the Lord. Maybe you, uh, you know, have tears in your eyes when you think about him or talk about him. I don't know. Maybe you're already hard hearted. You know, maybe you're already hardened. But either way, time is not on your side. And I'm not a prophet, but I know what the Lord has put on my heart. And I know when he has spoken to me and there are, and, and you know what? Hey, now that we're talking about it, everyone should be taking my advice. Everyone should be listening to this. If you're a backslider. Okay. Even though, and I'm going to close with this on this subject, I'm speaking to a specific person right now and God knows it. And you know it. All right. And if I knew who you were, if I had a, If I could, if I thought I would be close, I'd call you out just because I love you not to try to, to, to put you down or anything, but I was a backslider myself, the worst heinous, filthy kind bound by everything from pornography to drugs, to alcohol, to sex with women. All right. Everything. But you know what? At some point I said, my God. Wait a minute. Let me keep it real. I'm not being real with myself. Every day I wake up and I grow further and further apart from God. I'm not keeping it real that, hey, at some point I am going to draw my last breath. Life's too short. Hell's too hot. Eternity's too long. Now, come on, ma'am. Sir. Let's go to heaven. That's where the real party's at. Let's go to heaven. Leonard Contreras. David Contreras. Sure appreciate you guys. Love and appreciate you dearly. David, thank you for helping me out with setting me up so that I can do an audio book. I will keep you, ladies and gentlemen, abreast of when that is going to be available. Uh, Chris Appleton, I want to say hello to you, my cousin. God bless you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, just to let you know, uh, he has challenged me to a duel, if you will, live on Facebook. I don't know how many of you out there mess with social media. I personally do not, but I'll keep you abreast of the details uh, in the next couple of weeks. We've decided to hammer it out. What is holiness? That's the question. We're going to see what God has to say about what holiness is. And it's going to be a little bit of a healthy debate. Um, he is, I guess he's got it set up. So we're going to be live uh, video wise on Facebook where people can call in and uh, leave comments and, and, and do what social media people do. But uh, I'm looking forward to that in the next couple of weeks. And I will um, let everyone know when that is going to happen. All right. So real quick. I want to say Keith, friend of mine from work, one of the happiest truck drivers I know, always has a wonderful disposition about himself. I want you to know, appreciate you praying for you. You could come with me and get what's good at any given time. Just let me know. Just say the word and we'll be at Second Chance Church on a Sunday morning. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. 
let me get fired up a little bit here. Okay. That was a big thing I got off my chest. It's been weighing me down. I'm telling you, I got a burden for backsliders. I really, really, really do. All right. The end is near. And, and, and aside from that, you might take your last breath at any given time. And then it's too late. Don't let it happen. All right. Okay. We're going to start up our lesson. Um, oh, man. I, I, if I go over a little bit, you know, forgive me. Just pause it and listen to the other half when you are available to do so. Uh, Lord bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tuning in. And now, ladies and gentlemen, without any further to do, we are going to get into part three of our lesson in search of the few. The year was 1988. Lee Atwater was 37 years of age and at the top of his game in national politics. This young man from South Carolina had come onto the scene as a nobody, but quickly he rose to the top when he single-handedly became responsible for how George Herbert Walker Bush was elected to the office of President of the United States of America. It was the tactics that Lee used that made him famous, that made him the talk at every dinner table in Washington, D.C., among the who's who and the elite of politicians. Those tactics that pushed him into the limelight where he was worshipped and praised like a rock star. The tactics that caused him to be hired on as the campaign manager to the would-be President Bush. Those tactics that secured his position as chairman of the National Republican Party. The tactics and strategies that would put his picture on the cover of Time magazine where he was labeled the boogeyman and the bad boy of Washington, D.C. You see, Lee Atwater was so ruthless and cutthroat in how he played this game that even the lowest of politicians would stand in awe. His lies took down the careers of many politicians and anybody who stood in his way. Republican or Democrat. He was master manipulator, a cold-blooded liar who took pride in how he stabbed people in the back. Many of the people in Lee Atwater's own party would be heard saying things like, yeah, oh Lee, you can trust him like you could trust a pit viper. Famous for how he could spin a web of lies and slander his opponents into complete and total submission. Lee Atwater appeared on TV programs such as The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, Newsweek, MTV, and many others. He was referred to as the king of dirty politics, the father of lies, and the master of manipulation. He brought the game of lying in politics to a level never seen before or since, one politician was heard saying in an interview. Lee Atwater's fame, however, would be short-lived. Only three years later, at the young age of 40, Lee passed out and hit the floor 
while giving a fiery political speech in front of America's TV news cameras. Rushed to the hospital, it was discovered that Lee had a brain tumor. It was cancer. The world of politics stood in shock. Doctors drilled a hole in the head and down into the center of the tumor, where they placed radiated pellets in hopes of burning away the tumor that could not be removed with procedures of surgery. This procedure, however, would not only disfigure the face of Lee Atwater in such a grotesque manner that it was quite hard to look at, but also it would not save his life. In front of the world's TV cameras and all who knew Lee Atwater, the deepest and scariest of scenes would play out. Lee panicked, and those who were closest to him told of the details in their story just nine months later after Lee died. I'm gonna die, he told a friend. It was reported that almost every single day Lee would go into fits and start screaming hysterically that he didn't want to die and burn in hell. He asked his friend for a Bible so that he could read it. The next day, another friend came to the hospital to visit Lee. I was so shocked, the friend would later say. Coming down the hallway, I could see all these strange people gathered outside Lee's door. There were several Catholic priests, a couple of Baptist ministers. There was even a shaman high priest and several voodoo witch doctors, along with many other spiritual types. What in the world's going on, Lee? Who are all those people outside the door? His friend asked. I'm scared to death of dying and going to hell, Lee replied. I brought all of them in to help save me. One of them has to be right. Lee signed on in agreement to each and every one of them in hopes that one could possibly save his soul from the burning flames of hell. Lee told his friend that he had read a passage in the Bible that says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I'm terrified, he told his friend. Days later, after Lee passed from this life, the nurse asked his friend, could she give him all of Lee's belongings? Well, certainly. Yes, of course, the friend replied. To the amazement of Lee's friend, the Bible that he had brought the dying man was still in the saran wrap package it came in. He never opened it, the friend said. Old Lee, spinning him right up to his last breath, the friend chuckled. Ladies and gentlemen, I share this story today so that you can see two things in particular. Number one, Lee Atwater had eternity in his heart, just as the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. For God has placed in the heart of every man eternity. You see, he knew absolutely nothing about God. But he did know that he was an eternal being himself, and that he was lost and on his way to hell. Number two, and perhaps the saddest thing of all, Lee understood that there was only one truth that could save his soul, but 
He didn't know what that truth was. He panicked and scrambled to do what he thought might help him, bringing to his deathbed a menagerie of religious people whose beliefs differed like the colors of the rainbow. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that there has always been and will always be only one truth. A truth that must be sought after as it is surrounded by lies and counterfeits designed to look much like that truth, but are not. The only truth that will save a soul is the truth of Jesus Christ in his word, and few there be that find it. What church you go to matters. What you believe in matters. In fact, the state of your eternal soul depends on it. And now, ladies and gentlemen and brothers and sisters, I want to welcome you to part three of our lesson in search of the few. I did not excel academically. I have a high school education. I don't have a high IQ and I am not one of those that you might call intellect, um, especially, you know, academically speaking. I, and it's just because I never applied myself. I got the brains, but I never went to any, I didn't have any further education or obviously I didn't have any <laughs> desire to have any further education. But um, what I do have is some God-given common sense. God gives everybody a touch of common sense. He might've gave me some extra I have logic and I'm able to reason things out with that logic, which is the approach that I'm approaching this Bible study from. Obviously, it's not going to be that I'm a scholar and I'm going to go into all the deep, deep issues of doctrine, but I am going to read God's word. I'm looking for the few and um, I want to uh, I want to see what I come up with, with my common sense. Uh, I should be able to get a picture of what those few look like, you know, and you're going to hear me say this a lot. My common sense, my common sense tells me this, that God did not die on a cross. Okay. And remember, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life, that they should all come to repentance, but his way in his plan of salvation, including him being nailed to a cross, dying a gruesome, horrific death, okay, where he suffered and let men torture him. Do you think God would go through all of that just to make his word a puzzle? Especially if we are to live by his word, okay? His word, in his word, he says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. He wouldn't make the Bible a puzzle. Okay. Why go through all of that that you went through on the cross so that we could be saved and then turn around and give us something we can't figure out. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is, is actually pretty uh, straightforward, pretty plain. He says what he means. He means what he says. It's man and Satan that twist the scriptures. They add, they cut away. Okay, so I'm not comfortable with what the Bible's talking about over here. So I'm just going to cut it clear out and forget about it. All right, I'm approaching this Bible study, a man with common sense. I'm going to look into what the word says. 
and see if I can figure out what the few look like, where they are, how they worship, how they live, what their relationship is with is toward God. All of the things that I can figure out in just my common sense, we're going to do so. Now, you know, we've already looked at uh, darkness, the darkness. They were plucked out of this darkness into his marvelous light. Um, we're going to tie into that a little bit later on in another episode. We've looked at hell. And before we start looking into what sound doctrine is, what the Bible says, what God's word says that, that I can deduce is sound doctrine, I need to know one other thing. And it's imperative and it's part of the foundation we're laying. And I want to look at this God. So before I can really look at the few, I need to look at God. I need to look at his character. I need to look at his nature. And so today we're going to spend just a few minutes doing that and getting set up for, uh, which by the way, the, the very next, uh, no, not the next episode, not the next lesson, but the lesson after that, we're really going to bring it home and go off into some of the deep issues and start tying everything together. So bear with me. There's a reason that I'm doing it like I'm doing. It will all come together very simplistically, I might add, in the end, okay? Now, I'm looking at the character of God, his nature. I need to know some of his personality traits. And one of the overlying themes that I find in reading the, the Bible is this. In fact, probably most of you have heard the acronym for Bible, okay? It's, it's a cute little thing that people say, B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. And you know, <laughs> the more I think about that and the more I read God's word, it's more than just a cute little tone to basic instructions before leaving earth. It's actually said for a reason and a good reason at that. This is the instructions that we are instructed uh, to live by and to know and to obey before we leave this earth. And, and it's interesting that in looking at the different things that I have found that make up God's character, instruction is paramount, I would say. Um, I would go even further to say that, well, let's just do this. Let's just do this. How about this? So we're going to get right into it. Let me get into it. It's better if I just read the read God's word and, and, and we'll come together from there. But he's an instructor. This is one of the characters of God. One of the, um, I'm sorry, this is part of his nature is instructing. And it's to the absolute minute detail. I was blown away when I seen this. Okay. So let's take a look at that. Let's read. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this instruction thing is all through God's word. Okay, so if I wanted you to come to my house for dinner and you didn't know how to get there, I would have to give you explicit explicit directions on how to get there, right? That you would follow. You wouldn't just not knowing your way halfway there say, oh, I think I should take this road instead. No, you want to get to my house? You'll follow the instructions. You'll follow my directions. All right. So. We're going to go to 
Exodus chapter 25. And this is, this is God instructing Moses on how to build the Ark of the Covenant and the tab tabernacle. And I want you guys to know that I picked out just a few because literally from cover to cover and everything in between, you find instruction in everything. God giving instruction. All right. But we want to take a close look at that because before we go on into the next uh, lesson of the series, we need to know that God's an instructor. Before we look at his instructions and what they are, we need to know just to what uh, detail, what minute detail he instructs. All right, so I'm going to start reading. Watch this. This 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 is going to be some extensive reading, but just bear with me, and we're going to connect the dots very shortly. Okay, so it says this. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram's skins, dried red and badger's skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Wow. Look at this, okay? This is God instructing Moses. Notice, he doesn't leave any stone unturned, okay? This is going to be the Ark of the Covenant that houses the Shekinah glory, the very essence and presence of the glory of God. And, you know, if he's dictating... Uh, if his holiness is going to live inside of this structure, it's going to be a structure that looks different than any structure on the face of the earth. It's going to be dictated each and every piece, um, you know, the, the, the stones. And in fact, I'm going to keep reading because I want you to really get this down in your spirit. But he doesn't leave it up to man at all. Okay, he's covering it all. And it's his blueprint. Okay, watch this now. He says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. And they shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. This goes on for literally a chapter, okay? God directing from where it's to, there's nothing that you can think of uh, in regards to the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant and everything else that pertains to anything to do with God. If it's a God thing, He's going to do the instructing, okay? And let me just, let me read real quick. Okay, watch this. I, this is so incredible. I'm blown away. I'm so blown away. Watch this now, okay? 
All right, this is some more instructions. Just listen how detailed this is. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side, three bowls made like unto almonds with a knop and a flower in one branch, and three bowls made like almonds. Listen, God's instructing to the very T. Okay, he's an instructor, folks. He's instructing to a T how this is to be set up, where it's to be put, anything concerning the tabernacle, anything concerning the Ark of the Covenant, anything concerning anything and everything. Okay, God set the stars in place. He set the moon and the sun in place. He has your vital organs working the way they do. And everything is precise. Everything is on point. Nothing to be left undone. Let's go over here real quick. Okay, I'm going to be in Genesis. Uh, let's go chapter one. Genesis chapter six. I'm going to start reading in verse 13. Watch this. This is the ark. Okay, just so you know, I've only picked these out. There's so much more. It's all through. It's, it's woven all through God's word instructions. And we're going to take a look at that. But watch this now. Okay. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 6, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. And it says this. Okay, this is Noah and God instructing him on how to build the ark. Watch what he says here. He says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. All right, watch this. Okay, so let me go down here. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through men, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. Okay, watch this. He says, this is how you're going to make it. I'm fixing to tell you, I'm fixing to direct you and instruct you to the, to the micrometer. Okay. And nothing is going to be left to you. Okay. Noah never said, well, you know what? This is a great boat you've got me building, but I think it looks better if the windows are shaped like hearts. Okay. God didn't do that. Why? Because it's a God thing. The afterlife is a God thing. Eternity is a God thing. And he instructs in every detail, Old Testament and New Testament. Now watch this. Okay, look at this. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark. And in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters. Hey, listen, folks. This is incredible. This is such a awesome part of God's nature that he wouldn't leave it up to us. Because if it's left up to us, in fact... You know what? I'm just going to jump right over here. The Bible says this in Proverbs. It says, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. It seems right. It seems right. And I, and I think back to when John F. Kennedy Jr. is flying 
in the in in the dark of night, the darkest of darkest of darkest of night over the ocean, and he's got Angela Bassett and her sister in the airplane. And he's basically vertigo. I mean, he doesn't know what is up and what is down. He don't know if he's right side up or upside down because he's he's in a, he's in a place where you are instructed to use your instruments. When it gets gets like this to where you don't know what's going on, trust your instruments. But there is a way that seems right. And it seemed right to him to trust in his own self. And we know that at 220 miles an hour at two o'clock in the morning, he smacked into the Atlantic Ocean and they were all lost. But I, I use that because I, I just think about that. Uh, you know, here he is in this predicament where, you know, it's life or death, basically. And he's trusting in himself. I don't want to trust in myself. I want to let God instruct me. I want to trust in the Bible, the instruments. Okay. And as the dark times continue to get darker, I'm clinging to the instructions. Let me, so I just wanted to, I could go on and on and on and on. And we could be here for months reading everything that God's instructing, but let's see what he says about his instructions. Okay. So let me go over here to Proverbs chapter one. This is all through the Bible. I'm amazed that the Bible's basically fastened together with instructions, basic instructions before leaving earth. Remember that B-I-B-L-E. All right. So watch this. This is, this is all the things God, and I'm only going to read a few of these because I'm running short on time here, but this is the book of Proverbs chapter one, verse seven. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you despise instruction, you're a fool. Okay, watch this now. This is 412 of Proverbs. All right, watch this now. It says, I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry, folks. 4, 1, and 2. Hear ye, children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding for I give you good doctrine forsake not my law. And then down here in 13, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her for she is thy life. He means eternal life there. Okay. Hold on to instruction. There's hundreds and I'm not exaggerating hundreds of passages in God's word where he talks about instruction. That's how important it is. So I need to know this about God and also about the few, because I'm going to read what he instructs. Okay. We're going to get into the deity. We're going to get into the Godhead. We're going to get into sound doctrine. We're going to get into all the, the events that have happened where God's in them. But we want to see the instructions. We want to know that he's an instructor. We want to, to hear how important his instructions are to us and, and what he puts into those instructions. Okay, watch this now. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to read five or ten of them. Hold up with me, okay? Here we go. This is Proverbs chapter 5, verse 11 and 13. Okay, and it says this. Watch this. Wow, the importance that God puts on his instruction. He's the instructor and our souls depend on not only him instructing us, but us following his instructions to the literal T. It says this, and thou mourn at the last. 
when thy flesh and thy body are consumed, and say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. Okay. Real quick. 623, it says this. I'm just going to be hopping right through some of these folks. Bear with me. I got about five more to read. And I can't really elaborate. I don't have the time to elaborate on all of them, but I'm going to get my point across here in just about five minutes if I haven't already. Here we go. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Okay. Look how he talks about his instructions. It's the way of life. Okay. Watch this. 810. Here we go. This is Proverbs chapter 8, verse 10. It says this. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. Oh, I love your instruction. I love your correction. I love your reproof. You know, it's, it's, it's like, hey, when I wanted to go drive truck, I went to this, you know, to, to be to a trainer. I let him instruct me. I never stopped and said, well, I think this is a better way or that's a better way. If I wanted that class A license, I had to be instructed to the detail and, and how much more important um, my wings, my trip to heaven, huh? my salvation. OK, when it comes to things eternal, folks, we don't know nothing about that. Okay, God does, and that's why we're going to listen to his instruction. Okay, I'm going to read just a couple of more. Oh, man, I want to read so many, but I'm running out of time. Okay, so let me go over here real quick to chapter 15. All right, I got six more to read total. Here we go. But watch this. Chapter 15, look at what God puts into his instruction and, and the importance of his instruction. I mean, it's life or death, folks. Okay, it's hell or heaven. Watch this now. Okay, this is 15 and 5. It says, A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. You got that? A fool despiseth instruction. Okay, watch this. This is uh, 32, it says. And this is, in case you're following me, it's Proverbs chapter 15, verse 32. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. Hey, if you refuse to be instructed, if you dis disregard God's instruction and God help you, if you try to twist it, if you try to turn this rock, this Bible, this word into a ball of Play-Doh so you could form it and, and, and shape it into a thing that makes you feel good about living a life that is not in obedience to his instruction, then you're deceiving yourself. You're fooling yourself. You're in trouble. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools is folly. Okay. The instruction of fools. Thank God for your instruction, Lord. Watch this. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Okay. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Lord, I want your understanding, God. Okay, I got a couple more here. Now watch this. Okay, this is. Now I'm going to read this one. Okay. 
just kind of pick i've got a million of them listed i mean it's just all through here it's just you know in an hour's time you guys are pressuring me you got me under a lot of pressure to try to handle my scandal in one hour okay but um doing what i can here whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge but he that hateth reproof is brutish okay i got two more to read let's go to jeremiah real quick okay so all through here god talks uh, not only do you see that he is an instructor Okay, that he gives instruction, but he's putting a lot of importance to it. I mean, he's saying, hey, basically, look, man, if you don't want to be instructed, you're just a fool and you hate your own soul. You don't even care about your own soul. All right. I'm jumping over here real quick to Jeremiah, and I'm going to be closing here very shortly, folks. Jeremiah chapter 17. Okay, and I'm just laying a foundation for the Bible study, just so you know, this is really not. Okay, these three episodes I've done are just, you know, we're going to need to know this stuff. We need to know, number one, what the darkness is in the in the system of Satan that the few were called out of into his marvelous light, all right? Then we looked at hell, okay? We want to uh, understand that if we're not called out of his marvelous light, hell awaits. And then we want to look at this aspect of God's nature that he is a instructor. And furthermore, the importance that he puts on that. Watch this. This is amazing to me. This is Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 23. It says this. It says, But they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but made their neck stiff that they might not hear nor receive instruction. Okay, he's talking about the children of Israel, okay, and all that they went through. Why? Because they would not receive instruction. I want to read it one more time. It says, But they obeyed not neither inclined their ear, but made their neck stiff that they might not hear nor receive instruction. Okay. Nor receive instruction. All right. Let's go over here to chapter 32. Last one. And we're going to be closing it up real quick. All right. So this is Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 33. And it says this. Oh man. I love this one. All right, watch this now, folks. All right, it says this. And they have turned unto me the back and not the face. Get it? They've turned their back on God. They turned away. All right. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not hearkened to receive instruction. They have not hearkened to receive instruction. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say God is an instructor. His word is the basic instructions before leaving earth. Our souls depend upon his instructions. You have got the devil trying to, uh, you know, th th through man, twist things up and say, well, these don't pertain to us or listen, Hey, like I said, he didn't go die on a cross and give us a puzzle that we could try to figure out. It's plain as day. He tells us what he means and he means what he tells us. And I can promise you that. And we're going to look next, um, our next episode, we're going to look at, we've looked at his instruction and we're going to look at his word, what he says about his word and the importance of his word, his word that is full of instruction. Okay. And you see what happens when you, when they don't follow instruction. Okay. So with that being said,
ladies and gentlemen, we are going to bring this to a close. I don't think I took too much longer than an hour. I'm always going to try to keep them at about an hour. But um, so I want us to just get a feel about this going into the next uh, few lessons of the series. Okay, we need to know that the Bible is God's word from cover to cover and everything in between it. And he's instructing us all the way through. Okay, the few that find that narrow path, the few that find salvation, okay, they're not cutting away anything, all right? They're not saying, yeah, Lord, that sounds really good, but I'm going to do this, that, or the next thing, all right? So with that, I'm going to close. I want to say, Lord, bless everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in, and um, we will uh, let's see here. So this coming week, you guys, I've got, I'm going to, okay, just keep tuning in. All right. Just check, check the, um, episodes every day. Cause I'm putting out about three more episodes before Saturday of this week. I want us to hear, uh, the other two parts that, um, brother Raymond Woodward preached. I know I let you guys hear part one. It's called the end. How close is it? The end. How close is it? I'm going to run part one and two probably tomorrow or the next day. Uh, so you'll have that as well. So ladies and gentlemen, let me give us the word of. Okay, hold on just one second. I'm going to give us the word of the week. You know how I do it. The word of the week. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your instruction. Thank you for your sound doctrine. What a privilege it is. All right, this is found in, let's go here, Proverbs chapter 19, and I'm going to read verse 20. It says this, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that's the Bible. And that's the truth.